Well, if you're listening to this, you've listened to the first two episodes of the first time homebuyer turns and definitions from A to Z. And those two episodes were so riveting that you've been salivating, watching your phone, waiting for this episode to drop. Or you're some kind of maniac who just jumped straight to the C episode. Glad to have you both here. Today is C. So let's go. What is up, my How to Buy a Homies? It is a glorious day as we get ready to go through the C terms and definitions for buying a house. Now, I just realized you might be a regular listener who's been planning on buying a home for years, and now it's years in the future, and you had a question about something in your home buying journey that started with the letter C, so you could be listening way, way in the future and jumping back. So I have a quick question for you. How do I look in the future? Because seriously, I got to lose like 20 or 30 pounds. My gut is hurting my influencer image as the sexiest first-time homebuyer guru. So, hopefully in the future I fixed it. We'll see. All right, straight to what you came for. Let's go to the C words. A whole list of them. We're going to start with cap. Cap, it's not just something you wear on your head from the 1920s. It's an adjustable rate mortgage, also known as an arm. We've talked about that. And the cap is the limit on the amount that the interest rate or the mortgage payments can increase or decrease. Our next C word is capacity. Yep, banks look at your capacity when they're determining whether or not they want to loan you money. You're probably used to measuring your own capacity for tolerating haters, or perhaps your friends need to tell you about all their dreams as soon as they wake up. Seriously, I don't need to hear it. As far as buying a home, your capacity is judged by your income and your income stability, that's your job history and security. They also judge you by your assets and your savings and the amount of income each month that's left over that you've got to pay for your housing costs, your debts, and your other obligations. That is your fiscal capacity. The next C word is a cash out refinance. Now, these come and go as an option for homeowners depending on the current financial markets. But once you do own a home, and you will, make this happen. You're going to have the option to tap into the equity on your home. You can do that by doing a refinance in which the borrower, that's you. Remember that came from the B episode. Unless you're one of those weirdos who jumped right to C, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But the borrower's you, the buyer, when you're buying a home. So the borrower can tap into the equity to get money, but you're going to have to refinance to the current market rates and you have to be approved for that transaction. But if you do that, you can take cash out of your home and use it for fixing up your house or paying off debt, although sometimes that can be a little bit backwards. But most of the time, people use it for home improvements. The next C is cash reserves. Now, this is a term you're going to hear a lot of times when you're applying for a loan. It's the money in the bank beyond your down payment and your closing costs, what's left over. And sometimes cash reserves are required for you to get the best loan. The amount is determined by the lender and the product that you're going for. And what it is, is basically just represents a safety net to show that you've got money in the bank, as it were. Cash to close. Now, this is a term that you're going to hear a lot. It's the total amount that you need to bring to what they call the closing table. In some states, you actually do go to a closing table or you go to a closing attorney's office. In some states, you go to an escrow office. 
But when on that closing day, you need to bring the cash to close. That will include your down payment minus your earnest money deposit. It also will include your fees for title, escrow, attorneys, etc. Most of the time, it's also going to include your prepaid taxes, your prepaid homeowners insurance, and your homeowners association fees that apply. That's your HOA. Now, these days, it's usually done by a wire, so make sure that you deposit that big bag of cash that you've got lying around in your apartment, you know, a few days early, so your bank's got it for the wire. Seriously, don't do that. If you've got a big bag of cash, tell your lender right away. And if you have a big bag of cash, what are you doing? Okay, next up is the certificate of eligibility. Now, this is something strictly for my military folks or my vets. This is a document used in VA loans. Now, if you are a military person or a vet that's listening to this and you haven't started your home buying plans, dude, right now, binge this podcast and get going because you have one of the absolute best loans out there, a VA loan. As a matter of fact, just this morning, I had someone who was in the military for 12 years. She came out and she called me and she's like, dude, I'm ready to buy a house. We went out bang first offer first home and she just closed on a house today with an incredible va loan but this was something that a little hoop that we had to jump through you're getting this certificate of eligibility it's a certificate that is issued by the u.s department of veterans affairs the va certifying a vet's eligibility for a va guaranteed mortgage loan now as with all things in the government be sure to ask for this very early in your home buying process because acquiring it well, it goes through all those standard military things that you guys know what I'm talking about. Snafus, foobars, and tarfus. Yeah, you got to ask them early. The next one's chain of title. This is the history of all the owners and the title changes that have happened on a property. Next C is called change orders. This is something you're going to hear in a new build. What that is, is a change in the original construction plans for a new build. And now let's jump back to title, clear title. This is why you get title insurance. You want a clear title. It's to ensure that your ownership is free of liens, defects, or other legal encumbrances. The next C word is closed ended credit. This is a loan of specific amount of money for a specific period of time. How's that for being generic? Thank you, internet. You repay this type of loan in a set number of equal payments, which are usually made monthly. A mortgage and a home equity loan are examples of closed-ended credit. Now, what the heck does that mean? Okay, your credit card is revolving credit. It doesn't have a time. It can go on forever, and they can just keep charging you. This is, it's an installment loan or what we call closed-ended credit, and it can be a good way for you to bump up your credit score. Listen to episode 56 if you want tips on that. The next C word is my favorite C word in real estate. It's closing. The happiest day in the world for first-time home buyers. You did it. I told you you could do this. Technically, just so you know, a closing can also be called a settlement. And this is the time when the property is legally sold and it's transferred from the seller to the buyer. This is when the sale of the home is final. It's at that time that you, the borrower, stop becoming a borrower and you become an owner. That's uh, the point when the title, because that's why they call you the borrower, because this is all the money stuff that happens. but. The title goes over directly to you and the borrower assumes the loan obligation and you're going to pay the closing costs and then you're going to get the title from the seller or escrow or the court, or whoever does it in your state. It's the delivery of the deed, the financial adjustments, the signing of the note, 
and the disbursement of funds necessary to close the sale or a loan transaction. Like I said, in some jurisdictions, closing is gonna be referred to as an escrow. That's where the legal documents go to a third party. In some parts of the country, it's gonna be recording the deed actually straight at with the county clerk. And sometimes it's gonna be done by attorneys. And once this happens, you are the homeowner. Congratulations. Oh, and if you haven't heard me say it before, the date that the closing happens, it's fluid. Fluid. Don't set your calendar for it. There are hundreds of things that could delay this date. So have a nice crossover in your living situations, and then you're not going to be homeless or sleeping in the back of a moving truck with all your stuff. Never count on the closing date as a sure thing. Come on, gang. This is a new progressive era. You have to ask for consent. You always have to ask for consent from everybody out there before you get your keys. So hang on, tiger. Give it some space. Make sure everyone's cool with it. The next C word is the closing agent. Now, this is the person or entity or robot. I don't know. You guys could be listening way in the future. This person, entity, or robot coordinates the various closing activities, including the preparation and recording of the closing documents, and then, of course, the disbursement of the funds. Now, depending on where you live, as we discussed, it could be an escrow officer, an attorney, a title rep, closing person, or, as I also mentioned, it could be a robot. The next C is closing costs. Now, I did an entire episode on this, episode 87. The reason I did a whole episode on it is because you have no idea what they are until we get to the very, very end. Everybody wants to calculate it super early. It doesn't work like that. That's why I did an entire episode on it. They usually can equal anywhere from three to four or five, sometimes even 6% of the total value of your loan. But again, you won't know that till you get to the very end. They vary. They change. If you want the big, full understanding of it, listen to episode 87. Or, of course, you can read it at howtobuyahome.com. Reading, it's fundamental. The next C is the closing disclosure. Now, this is sometimes known as a CD. This is an important one. It's the document that tells you the final terms of your loan. It's a required five-page form that is going to provide the final details on the mortgage loan that you've selected. It includes the loan terms, the closing costs, your projected monthly payments, and how much you're going to pay in fees and all the other costs associated with the mortgage. Your lender is legally required to give you at least three days to look at this closing disclosure before you sign the documents on your loan. That's something that came after the last crash. So you've got time to review it, but make sure that you keep in mind if you're getting down to the wire and you haven't got your loan documents yet, once they get that CD to you, you still have to wait three days before you sign and that can move your closing date <gasps> because the closing date is fluid. Okay, the next C word is the closing settlement statement. Now this can be referred to as a HUD-1 statement. This is just FYI for you. Okay, when you hear HUD-1, just think to yourself, oh yeah, Sidoni said that's just a closing statement. It's the final paperwork for your records. Save it for your taxes. Oh, look, as I was going through my list from Google, closing date came up. Guess what I'm going to say? It's fluid. That's all. Okay, our next C word is a co-borrower or a co-signer. Look, it's tough to buy a home, and I understand that. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to tell you that some of you might need a co-borrower or a co-signer if you are lucky enough to have someone. Let's explain what that works. Any borrower other than the first borrower whose name has to appear on the application or the mortgage note. It's someone who agrees to take full responsibility to pay back a mortgage loan, the one that you're on. 
This person is obligated to pay any missed payments, even the full amount of the loan if you don't pay. So you better really like this person, or more importantly, they better really like you. Some mortgage programs distinguish a cosigner as someone who is not on the title and doesn't have any ownership interest in the home. And when you're having a cosigner or a co-borrower on your mortgage, that gives your lender additional assurances that it will be repaid. So depending on how they need to structure it, a lot of times you need their credit record and their finances to help you get approved for the loan that you want. All right, this next word I'm going to tell you about because I swear, I totally thought this was part of real estate when I got into it. But 16 years ago when I got into it, back in 2005 and six, this wasn't even a thing. Collateral, right? Didn't we all think that when you're buying a house and then maybe you want to buy another house, you use your house as collateral? Nope, that's not a thing anymore. So for those of you who don't know, collateral is an asset pledged to security for a loan or something else. Hardly ever used any more old stuff. Apparently, it's just in the movies. The next C word is a commitment letter, and that's not the little note that you passed to Susie back in class when you were in seventh grade, telling her that you want to go around. That's what we used to say, going around. What do the kids say now? Do you want to go with me? Is that a thing? I don't know. In real estate, a commitment letter is a binding offer from your lender, and it includes the amount of the mortgage, the interest rate, and the repayment terms. Okay, let's get to another C word. This is common areas. This definition has my favorite acronym in all of real estate, PUD. That's a thing. (laughs) Pretty cool, huh? PUD. The common areas, those are the portions of a building of land or improvements and amenities that are all owned by a planned unit development. Planned unit development, PUD. We also find common areas with condominium projects, homeowners associations, or of course, cooperative projects in a cooperative corporation that are used by all the unit owners. That means they share the common expenses of the operation and the maintenance. Common areas include things like swimming pools, tennis courts, recreational facilities, as well as even things down like the corridors or the parking garage or any kind of means of an ingress or egress. What are those words, David? I'll explain it in E and I. Not today. I have to stick with the C's. Comparables. Now, this is a word that you often hear in real estate when they say comps, because we're way too busy as realtors to say the entire word comparables. So they're just comps. What are the comps, David? What are the comps? Hear that all the time. These are comparable properties which are used as a comparison in determining the value of a home that you're looking at. Make sense? Got it. Next C word is concession. Something given up or agreed to in a negotiation when you're buying a house. So in 2022, don't expect too many seller concessions. Love ya. Truth bomb. No BS. Next C word is commission. Oh, dirty word in real estate. What do you mean I have to pay somebody? Don't worry about it. You don't pay the commission. The seller does. Commission is an amount, usually a percentage of the property or of the sales price or the loan value that becomes a fee for handling the transaction. The real estate broker, the mortgage company, or the property insurance agent, and the title company, they're all going to earn commissions for the sale of the purchase of the property. The cool thing is most of those come from the seller. Bear that in mind later on when you're thinking about turning around on selling your house. It ain't 100% profit. Okay, the next term is comparable market analysis. Now, this one, I understand people why they shorten it. It's often called a CMA. 
So what's a CMA? A CMA is a list of the homes for how much they sold to tell you how much a home is worth. Pretty simple. You compare the homes on the market to analyze. C-M-A. Got it? Moving on. Okay, this next word's condominium, and I thought, that's dumb. I'm not even going to explain that to everyone. But then I realized, you know what? This is something I have to explain a lot because a lot of people, they think there's a huge difference between a condo and a townhome. Uh, I've even had people break it down to me like, well, a condo's like an apartment where you have people above and below you, and a townhome is you only have people on the side of you. And I can't explain any easier than this. Uh, no. No, it's not. So it's just one of those things that, People have decided it is, but it's not. So let me tell you what technically a condominium is, because things that you call a townhome are technically condominiums. Technically, homes in a multi-unit complex with a common area in which the owners share financial responsibility for the common areas and the exterior maintenance, well, those are considered condos. If the land that the home is on is not owned by the condo or townhome owner, whatever you want to call it, and it's owned by a condominium association, then technically that's a condo. Even though people like to say they own a townhome, many states consider all homes with the land not owned by the owner as a condominium. So in general, a condominium owner, they own the unit themselves. And they have the rights, along with the other owners, to the common areas, but they don't own the common elements even of their own unit. You don't own your walls on the exterior, you know, your floors or your ceilings or the structural systems outside the unit. Those are all owned by the condominium association. And they're usually condo association fees, usually, always, HOA fees. And that will keep up with the building maintenance, the property upkeep and the taxes and insurance on the common areas, and finally reserves for the entire complex. Okay, getting down to the end of the seas, a conforming loan, that's a loan with a limit. And it usually offers better terms and better rates than the next step up, which is a jumbo loan. Most of you first timers out there are gonna be using a conforming loan. The limits are pretty high. A conventional loan, now, a lot of people go, oh, gosh, I got to use an FHA or a USDA or a VA loan because I want those low down payments. Well, it, depending on the way the market's going, you might be able to get a conventional loan. That's you know one that's not guaranteed or insured by those government-backed loans, the FHA, USDA, or VA. But depending on the market, you might be able to get a conventional loan with very low down payments. If you've got good credit and good income right now, we're seeing 3% conventional loans all over the place. Next C word is conversion option or a convertible arm. This is a clause in your adjustable mortgage that allows the borrower to convert the adjustable rate mortgage, also known as an arm, to a fixed rate mortgage. Well, if adjustable rate mortgage is an arm, what's a fixed rate mortgage? A firm? Anyway, a conversion option means that you can, at some point, take your adjustable mortgage and turn it into a fixed rate mortgage. But of course, you should know about that way before you sign the paperwork. Next C word is contingency. Now, of course, contingency can mean a lot of things. But in real estate, in some states, not every state, but in some states, contingency is a very specific word that has to do with the timelines that things need to get accomplished in the contract. It's a condition that must be met before a contract is legally binding. In California, we do call them contingency time periods. 
Where you are might be called a due diligence time period or a conditions time period. Simplest example is this, home purchasers will often have a home inspection contingency. That means the sales contract has a certain amount of time that you get to do the home inspection and sign off on it. So that means you have kind of a free look time. Now, if my broker ever heard this podcast, they would come and smack me down on the head for saying free look. It's never a free look. You're committed. You signed a contract, but the contract does allow you a contingency period to inspect the home. And at that time, if you find something wrong, you and the seller can negotiate. Or if you don't do the inspection and you take too long and the time has passed, the seller can ask you in writing to remove that contingency. And if you don't, they can bail you out of the deal. The next C word is a co-op. A co-op is where residents purchase stock in a cooperative corporation that owns the structure. Now, if you're like, dude, what are you talking about? Well, this is something that happens mostly in like big apartment buildings in big cities where people buy apartments as their home because everything's vertical. So in a co-op, each stockholder is then entitled to live in a specific unit of the structure and is responsible for paying a portion of the loan, you know, the big loan on the big property. Like I said, you're going to see this mostly in cities. So make sure if that's someplace you're looking, you're looking at co-ops, you talk to your unicorn about it. Our next C word is counteroffer, an offer made in response to a previous offer. So for example, when you write an offer, you're going to hear a lot of times the seller is going to counteroffer, usually asking for a higher price. Real estate agents love to say, oh, we got a counter. We got a counter. That means counteroffer. Okay, the next C word, something that you're going to love. It's called covenants, conditions, and restrictions. If you've never been in a home with an HOA, or you never lived or had friends that have ever had an HOA, maybe you've never heard of what we call CC&Rs, covenants, conditions, and restrictions. But if you're like me, and at one point in your life, your father lived in a place that had CC&Rs, you never heard not about these things. I don't even know if that was a sentence, but you know what I mean. All the... Well, let's just call them not young people who live in places with CCNRs. They love to talk about these all day long. Why? Well, here's the Google definition. Usually, these are the rules and regulations placed on a real property by a homeowners association, the HOA. HOA plus CCNR equals the devil. It's a neighborhood association, a developer or a builder that sets forth any requirements or limitations of what an owner is allowed to do with the property. They hear all those nasty words, limitations and allowed. And of course, it might also include might get out of town. It says it might also include a monthly or annual fees or special assessments. Might. It does. Here's the real definition of what the CCNRs are. So when you buy a house and you have to review the CCNRs, let me explain to you what they are. There are a pile of papers about two inches thick filled with incomprehensible legal mumbo jumbo. You're only going to have a couple days to review it to decide if you want to make the biggest financial decision of your life. So what's really going to happen? You're going to flip through it and try to find the pages where they talk about the parking rules or stupid trash can policies. Other than that, good luck to you. One of the things I tell people all the time is, yeah, you have to. I can't tell you a shortcut around it. You have to look at all the CC&Rs. It sucks. It's part of buying a home with an HOA. 
But if you really just want another good source of what can I do to the outside of my house or my fence or my patios, one really good way is drive around the complex and see what changes other people have made. Odds are, if you see that changes that are obvious to you just driving around, that it's probably not a problem. Now, don't quote me on that and don't sue me when you change your fence and because you never know. Maybe people just let it go. One day it could just be a really intense neighbor who decides to get on the HOA board and, and cite everybody. Our next C word is a conventional sale. Now that's a regular sale, not a foreclosure, not a short sale, not a trust sale or a probate sale. These are the easiest sales to complete. Our next C word is credit. Now I went online to, like I said, I'm trying to give you guys all the Google definitions and give it to you in real words. I found 86,482 definitions for things having to do with credit. So you know what I decided? Here's what you need to know about credit. Episode 3, 8, 56, 61, 64, and 90. Can't do the definitions here. There's way too much and there's way too much incorrect information out there. And my favorite C word, credit worthy. I am so old, drink, that I was going to do the Wayne's World. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. It's an old joke, but I realized that you won't know what I'm talking about. And then you're going to go Google it to try to figure it out. And then you're going to start Googling and that's going to defeat the entire purpose because then you're going to Google real estate words. And the whole point is that I give you the real definition, not the Google definition. So I'm not doing that joke. So yeah, credit worthy. People are judging you. Yeah, not just Karens, but the banks and the lenders. Are you worthy? Well, it depends on your income and your debt and your ability to qualify for credit and repay those debts. So how violated do you feel now? This is part of it. I've got one more big C word for you. It's not what you're thinking. And before I wrap it up, so I'm going to ask you now, how many hours of free content have you consumed and still not taking your 94 seconds to write a review for the podcast or on YouTube? Help others find us on Apple and Spotify and on YouTube. Get the message out there. Share it with folks. And you can always go to at how to buy a home on TikTok and write me some comments. Tell me, your homies out there, get on TikTok, drop some truth bombs in the comments. Troll me so other people can find me and get all the juicy nuggets. Now, the last C word I promised for you, compromise. Now, you're not going to hear it too often when you look online to try to find advocates who are trying to help you figure out how to buy a home and try to get you buying a home information. You're going to see lots of information on how easy it is and how you don't need to be intimidated. And you know what? I agree with a lot of what they say, but after 16 years of helping thousands of first-time homebuyers all over North America and training other realtors on how to work with first-time homebuyers and getting down in the trenches and going one-on-one with these people all day long, this is the one truth bomb that I really want all you guys to embrace. Once you do that, everything else is going to be gravy. Be ready for compromise. Buying a home is not a process of selection. It's a process of elimination from the homes that are available for sale at the time that you're buying. And who knows, maybe you've got just a little bit of champagne style on a beer budget, and maybe all those must-haves you know, could be changed to nice-to-haves. And then maybe you'll be able to dump your rent earlier, start to build your financial stability and tell all your friends, I thought this was impossible, but this dude in my ear holes kept saying to me, you can do this. 